Welcome back to the Project 24 Blogging Podcast. This is episode 184. Thank you so much for joining us. Man, it, I don't know why. Every single time I bring up the weather or like the time of the year and it's like, yes, we know, Anna, it's S- September, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I just can't believe how fast the end of the year is coming. I feel oh, I like know. it always does, you know, but before we know it, it's going to be Christmas. <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah. But anyway, we are excited to uh, bring you some updates today about what we're working on, what we've been working on, but some things that we... Um, are going to be meeting about and um, hopefully changing things up a little bit around here. So I guess the first thing is we're going to be talking about the main um, discussion here is what we are kind of deciding to do is delegate some tasks possibly. And it's interesting because Nathan just got out of a meeting with uh, Matthew, actually Mm -hmm. his brother who heads up uh, the creator stu- studio over there. And um, yeah, why don't you bring up what you were talking about? Yeah. So the, you know, the idea of delegation, This I think this is one that is big, especially for people who are running small businesses um, and are looking to expand. Um, whether you're expanding from one person to two or two people to 10 or whatever the case may be, um, delegation is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's not for everybody, but I know it has been the case for me. And uh, I guess I'll kind of premise all of this you know um it seems like there are unlimited possibilities um, of projects that would be of great value um, things that would be awesome value adds for you in project 24 um, whether it's other things like marketing channels or whatever the case may, may be there are so many things to get done um and we're I, I know personally, and I know many of us here feel the same way, there's just too much. There's too many things that we could possibly be doing. Um, and we have currently, and we're kind of in a great position here, we have people who we could potentially pass some responsibilities onto that you know, we have been taking on over the last few years just because of necessity, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't have to anymore. Um, and so... I think that this is good. I'm glad we're talking about it because this is going to make us do it. Um, And so some of these things, um, for example, um, one of the main things that I do is search analysis uh, for our portfolio of websites. And it takes a lot of time. We have a lot of writers um, and it's pretty time consuming. Why haven't we trained someone else or started training someone else to do search analysis? Well, I think the answer is because I'm bad at delegation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of other things there, but it's little things like that, you know, adding the affiliate links, um, you know, uh, interlinking, writing email content, all of these different things that we have done and that you, probably most of you listening to this, probably you do all those things yourself. Um, at some point, if you are ever interested in scaling your business, you'll probably have to pass some of those things off. Um, and you may laugh because, you know, income school has been around for a while, but we still struggle with some of these these little things. And so anyway, that's kind of what I just got out of this meeting with Matthew about is, you know, how can we pass this on? What are, what are the systems going to look like? What are the processes going to look like? What do we need to do to prep everything, the training for the riders turned now into, you know, interlinkers, whatever the case may be. <laughs> so anyway, it's kind of a really exciting time. Um, it's also a lot to take on. It can feel like yeah. a lot. What I would say is one of the hardest things with delegation is um, if you've been doing something yourself and now you're going to bring somebody else on to take some things off your plate, um, it doesn't actually completely remove those things from your plate. Yeah, There's always 
a level of oversight that's needed, right? I can't just, you know, say, hey, um, watch our training videos on search analysis and start doing it for us. They need to know like, okay, well, what websites are the priorities? Right. They need us to um, at least spot check mm-hmm. <laughs> the search analysis and make sure that they're doing a good job and give them some guidance from the very beginning so that pretty quickly they're doing search analysis exactly like we would. Mm-hmm. And even then it probably won't be exactly like ours, but we need to get it really close. Um, and that's true for like everything. Uh, you know, when, when income school started, it was Jim and me. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, um, we did everything. And if there was something we didn't know how to do, like I had to go, we just had to go figure it out. And, uh, you know, over time we've grown our team and it's like, great. Um, I want you guys to start a YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> what do we do? And, um, you know, there's just a certain amount of, of time and effort and work needed to get new people up to speed. But if you don't invest that time, you never get those things off your plate. And so I keep running into this. I have too many things on my plate always. And um, everything I hand off, it's like, okay, it's still not off my plate, but eventually it will be mostly off my plate. I just have to be willing to invest the time now. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where we are. So um, one of the first things that we want to do is at least get some of our writers trained up on search analysis. Uh, this helps us to offload our own search analysis um, to where that now instead of Nathan spending a lot of time on search analysis, he can spend less time, hopefully, on uh, reviewing search analysis and making sure it's good. Um, and then eventually it just becomes part of a process. Uh, but in order to do this, there were a few things that had to be put into place. One, we had to make sure our search analysis training was clear mm-hmm. so that somebody could watch it and get it mostly right. And so the blogging system um, and the redo of the search analysis content, I think helps a lot with that. Um, the next thing is we have to put processes in place. We can't just train them how to do search analysis and say, okay, now go because they need to know, okay, well, what sites do I do? How much should we do? Do we just write like crazy on all of our sites forever? Well, well, no. Okay. So, you know, if we have a strategy for the direction for a site, these are the categories we want to cover and stuff. Um, you know, here's how much content we want on this site. We need to give them that guidance. Um, and then the next thing is like, there are several of um, you guys who have requested a search analysis service from us. This enables that once we get these people experienced enough that we say, right, your search analysis is good. Well, then, then we can start offering that service. But there are processes we have to put into place so that when you place an order, the right things get communicated. So we have to collect the right information from you. We have to have that system for how it gets to the um, you know, the team leader or whatever and gets assigned to the right people. They do the work, it gets sent back and we have the right feedback loop in place. So you can see where like every time we want to delegate something, there's processes, there's training. You can't just hand mm. it off and assume it's going to mm. be done. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we don't, do it faster. Right. You know, Hard. like when you're going to like, I don't know, spring clean your house <laughs> and you're doing, you like start cleaning and then it gets way worse. <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like. It feels like there has to be the, there's this, once you decide to make the move, it, it feels like it's the planning. It's the planning of those processes and systems and all those things. It feels like it gets 10 times worse 
before it actually gets better. Um, and anyway, I just thought that's kind of the first thing that came to my mind is it feels like there is all this additional stress because even in for and it kind of back to the example of the search analysis, you know, right now, a good portion of most of my days, I do at least some search analysis to keep on top of things. And that feels doable, but not sustainable long term. Yeah. But since it's doable, it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing it. And yep. that almost feels better than taking the leap to go start making those processes, even though long term it's not. Um, and so you may, any of you listening, may be in one of those places where it feels like, you know what, I'm doing it. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm just going to kind of get through the grind. But you do that realizing that it's not going to get better if you hire another writer or if you do something else. And I guess in some cases, hiring the other writer might be the scaling process. Um, but taking that first step, letting it get a little more messy before it finally cleans up again is totally worth it. By the way, I was cleaning my garage out last night. <laughs> Not spring cleaning, but kind of fall cleaning. Anyway, it was getting worse. And I was like, okay, I have to finish this another day. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got to go to bed. Anyway, um, yeah, sometimes it um, is hard to relinquish that responsibility because you know your site so well, you know the niche, you're probably yeah. an authority and it's kind of your baby. And so it, like Nathan said, and you said, it's almost easier to just do it yourself. Um, in my case, I was, you know, spending quite a bit of time doing search analysis, but I really enjoy search analysis. So, um, but you know, I could be working on other projects now, like such as, um, monetization for cook for folks mm -hmm. in particular. So yes, it is messy. It's not easy to train someone, but once they get it, they get it. The thing is, is it takes intuition. Yeah. You got to get that. It's got to click. It's, it's right. hard to just train on the processes, but if you find the right people who are, are mm -hmm. you know, the right fit and smart enough to do it, they can. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, processes, they're important so that, especially if you're going to have any turnover. So you know, at our, our writers at our creator studio, um, we have some who, I mean, our turnover has actually been pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, people who they're students, right. So they leave, uh, for the summer or whatever, and a pretty high number of them keep coming back, yeah. which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's new, there are new people all the time. And so there has to be a process, but again, like you got to get it to click to be able to entrust them with mm -hmm. some of this stuff. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about one of the things that we uh, want to do more of is creating email lists and sending out newsletters and stuff for our portfolio sites. Not just, uh, there's so much value in those. You know, if we ever want to create an info product or even make a, a strong affiliate push for the higher end product, like an email list is going to help that along so much more. But we have a bunch of sites. Yeah. And like who here is going to write an email every week for every one of those sites? It's just too much. Right. Mm -hmm. So what if we can put a process into place and kind of have a system and it's like for cook for folks, here is the structure of the newsletter. Here's the kind of information we want to send. Here's where we get the information from. And then we have someone that's assigned and they put together the, the newsletter every week and maybe even parts of the newsletter they can, they can put together for the next three months, parts of it. And then there's some other things that are more timely that um, will get updated the week of, and then sent out, you know, could we, could we do that? Could we get them to write a lot of the copy? Maybe we come up with the strategy and we even come up with some of the information we want out there, but we have a process in place and we let them 
um, actually write the copy mm-hmm. and um, and we could even train them on then scheduling those to go out and just have a specific, here's, this, here's the day of the week, here's the time that it goes out, this is the regular newsletter. And that way we have a warm email list. So when the time comes that we're like, all right, cool, I want to run a, there's a, maybe there's a product on sale, I'm going to send out a promotional email sequence about it. Um, or maybe I have an info product. Great. Well, I have a warm email list of people who, um, who are ready for that. So, I mean, that's just one example yeah. of a process that we could start. Yeah. So another on. one, affiliate, um, yeah. and kind of tying into the email marketing there. Um, well, what about just a very simple kind of affiliate marketing strategy, you know, getting the right links in there, selling the links, you know, doing a really good job, keeping everything organized. Um, in the past we have, done we've had writers add affiliate links in the past it wasn't quite to the level of organization that i think we would like um and so in the meeting earlier that i mentioned we were chatting about okay how do we make this a little more organized and then we kind of one of the ideas we came up with is well what if we come up with a list of 10 or 20 products that we want to push on this site or that we just want to say that we recommend Um, And then we take that list, make it into a, I mean, it could be as simple as an Amazon list, Walmart, wherever you're, you know, whatever the, wherever you're pushing the products. Um, And then you send that list to the writers or to the whoever, you know, whoever you're sending it to. And then you say, okay, go through the articles and see where these make sense. We're not trying to over spam links here. We're trying to find articles where it's a good fit. And all you have to do is place the link that makes sense and then put in a little blurb about you know, selling the link, you know, sell the link there. And then if there's another article that links to the product, maybe it's actually a product review or something like that. It just ties in so easily. That's actually a pretty simple process. All that really takes is coming up with those 10 or 20 products and then making some sort of spreadsheet, which we actually have some pretty convenient spreadsheets for tracking this type of stuff. um, And then just tracking it there. And at that point it becomes doable. And, you know, that's a pretty high value thing. You know, we've talked about, oh, we want to pass off search analysis. We want to pass some of these other things off. And it's not that those things aren't important. Search analysis is one of the most important things you can do for your site. But it just, it's where we are with the portfolio right now. We have done significant amounts of content this Mm -hmm. year. And so we have that. The traffic is going to come. It's coming. We're having the traffic. Um, It's showing up more and more month after month. Um, but we need to work on some of these other things so that we can have a well monetized site, which is partially, you know, with, with the email marketing, with the affiliate marketing, that sort of thing. That's kind of the whole why. It's not to say that the search analysis isn't important. It's not that. Um, it's just moving responsibilities so that we can put our focus on what we feel is the most important at the time. Something I just thought of is um, this is actually really good for the writers and the team leads over there at the creator studio because it gives them more skills. They probably want to learn more skills. And if they end up wanting to do a website someday, they have learned about monetization and creating content, search analysis, kind of learning it as a whole. So Mm -hmm. it allows them to take more ownership um, in the projects. So uh, something that we talked about last week was meeting. We're going to meet this week and we're all going to list out every single task we have right now. Um, We meet every other week um, and just talk about our like three main priorities. Right. The things we try to, we want to try to accomplish in the next two weeks. Yeah. Just to keep each other in the loop. But 
Uh, right now, we're, we're literally going to write out a big list. Nathan <laughs> said he already was working on it last week and kind of look at the bottom there and see what types of things we mm-hmm. can delegate. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, what what are some of the things that can just be maybe even shelved for now? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think it's really easy when you're the entrepreneur, when you're the business owner, um, and even as you're trying to grow, uh because we start off wearing all the hats, right? Um, it can be hard to know at what point do I hand off this task or ha- what point do I hand off that task? Um, I know it is for me because there are things where I'm like, okay, I'm still doing this job. It's not the best use of my time, but it doesn't make sense to hire someone to do that. Um, it's too small. <laughs> you know, I only do that once a month or um, once a week, but but still, there are enough of those things where it's like, okay, so what do we do? Do we um, get a part-time virtual assistant that can just pick up some of those things along the way? Um, you know, which ones really do need to be done by me? Um, is there a service out there that's not that expensive that does that thing where I can I can pay them a smaller amount than what my time is worth <laughs> and have them take care of those tasks for me? Um, this comes up for me a lot because I, I, I got to tell you, um, it's really, uh, I, I, I choose to think of it as funny. It could be really frustrating. I think it's funny how often I see like on YouTube comments from other people or just criticisms from people about like, well, you know, income school could have done this and they didn't. Why haven't they? And it's like, do you have any idea what stuff we do? Like, there's not a person here that doesn't like, bust their but you know just like (laughs) work their tail off all the time and i do think we could make some improvement on like prioritizing certain things but we're creating course content which by the way is like not it's not as simple as like sit down and press record um in order to make that content more engaging and more helpful um you know it it takes a lot of planning and then we and then we record it Um, and if the recording doesn't turn out very good, we have to like redo all of it. Um, the examples we show, like sometimes like if I'm showing somebody how to create an email list and then something happens with the recording and it, I have to redo it. I have to go like uncreate the email list. I have to like delete Mm -hmm. it and start over again. Right. (laughs) Like it's not just as simple. Oftentimes it's just, I'll record. And then, you know, our editors put a lot of time into the videos, um, every video because it helps them be more engaging. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually better instruction. I've had people say, I want the content faster. Just give it to me rough. It's like, no, you don't want it rough. That 15 minute video is an hour of footage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't want that. You need to see the important parts and not have to sift through it to find out what, what matters. Um, and so the, the point here is you will have more to do than you can do. You will hit that point at some point. If you're successful at all, you'll hit that point. And so we just need to learn how to recognize when we get it. I was in a mastermind just before this as well today. And um, the question came up about managing uh, affiliate links. And it's not just a matter of like knowing what articles have what links in them, but also like for the bigger ticket affiliate programs, what about, what about those? What about when they do a promotion or something? Um, I could make a lot more money if I highlighted that mm-hmm. on my website or if I sent out an email to my list when they're doing a promotion, but it's just so much to do. You know, how do I stay on top of that? And it, 
it's not really an easy answer. Um, you know, I gave a little bit of advice. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they'll send you an email saying, hey, you're one of our affiliates. We're going to do a promotion next month. Um, make sure that those get those messages get like put to a folder yeah. where you're going to see them so they don't just like disappear in your spam or something or in your promotions tab in Gmail or something. Um, make sure they're visible so that you notice them. Take the time to look at those and decide what you're going to act on. But again, it's like, how much time do we all have? And so is that something where if you had a virtual assistant helping manage your inbox, they could keep an eye out for those and notify you of them or even, um, you know, just, just send you a message in Slack or whatever saying, um, hey, these are the different promotions that came in. Do you want to do anything with any of these? And then you say, yeah, actually, I'd love to send out an email on that one and that one. And then they say, cool, um, I'll look into what the promotion is and I'll type up the copy. And that's what they do. And then you don't have to worry about it. You just have to approve it. Um, there's, there's so much we can do, but we just have to get people who are competent and capable. And then we just have to kind of encourage and even enable them to be able to do the work without requiring constant approval and constant oversight. Our team here is awesome. Um, it used to be when we first opened the Creator Studio that every semester Jim and I would drive over to Rexburg and we would look at all the, we'd see all the candidates and we would make all the hiring decisions together. But now I don't, I don't see any of that process. I don't need to. We have processes in place for that um, and other people take care of it and make the hiring decisions and I just have a team of people who, who work for us. And it's awesome um, because what I would do has been communicated clearly. Mm-hmm. Processes are in place, but also good people are in place making those decisions and we make adjustments when needed. Yeah, so. and, and that one, that specific example is kind of funny because you, used, you and Jim used to do all the hiring. And then at one point I was doing the hiring. You yeah. kind of passed that off and that was something that, you know, we worked back and forth. We would look at candidates. We would do all this. Right. And then at some point, it got to the point where that wasn't even my priority anymore. And now I'm saying, okay, well, I'm going to pass this off. And then I go through that same process. I'm going to Rexburg. I'm working with the team leads. I'm doing all this. And now that's passed off to where now I am even fairly out of the loop. I, you know, I still touch it because like you said, it's not that it's fully out of, you know, it's not fully out of my important tasks anymore. I still have to keep up on it, but it's something like if you ask me who's been hired in the past two weeks, I, I couldn't tell you. Right. Uh, I would see their name on payroll, you know, uh-huh. every two weeks or whatever. But other than that, and so it, that's, it's interesting how no matter the size of your business, you're going to run into this. Yeah. Um, whether, like I said, it's one to two or two to five or five to 10. Um, scaling is, you're always, if you are scaling, you're always going to be scaling up. Um, but anyway, I am excited for this. I'm excited for this, a little bit of accountability group that we're kind of creating here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, because I think that it's something that's important, not only for us here to do, but I think that we're going to learn a lot of, every time we do it, we learn new things. Um, and hopefully here on the podcast, we can share that with you guys. Yeah. And that's something we want to do more and more is Mm -hmm. kind of do a progression of what we're doing, not just, you know, talk about what we're doing and then, you know, hear about it again for months down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We want to do better about that, keeping you all in the loop, because that's something that you especially wanted, um, you know, in a post that I put out asking for suggestions, what you liked, what you didn't like. That was what we heard a lot was like, look, you like the storyline, you like that progression of what we're doing. And so, 
we're going to keep you in the loop uh, about what we're doing here. And then something I did want to mention about um, the riders and delegating, like you have delegated a lot of the, ta- the tasks to Matthew mm-hmm. and um, you said you don't touch that most of the time. And, you know, you and Jim started this, but now you have the whole team and we're doing stuff now that you right. don't have to touch as much. You yep. know, of course you still oversee it and like to know what's going on, but sometimes you just have to stand back and appreciate that, you know, yeah. how far you've come as far as delegating those yep. things. Um, because, you know, we don't really think mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. But appreciate how far you've come and uh, what all you've done with your website and all your accomplishments as well to get you to where you are now. Okay, with that said, we actually have a few questions from the community, so we'll go over that. The first one is, sorry, did you all have anything else to that add to that? That was it. Okay. Nope, nope. I wanted to make sure. So the first one is from Giselle, and they say, is the search term showing up under the people also ask section the same as it being auto-suggested, or is that different? Should I rank auto-suggested search terms higher than people also ask, or would those rank the same? Really, um, I generally treat them the same. It, it, the problem is it just really depends. The auto suggest it's based on what you've typed in so far. So if you've typed in like two letters and Google auto suggest something, then like that's probably a really regularly searched term. Um, if you've typed in a whole word, maybe even two words and then start another word and then it's auto suggested, it's probably not searched as frequently as the thing that's auto suggested when you type in a, you know, um, and so it, there's a whole spectrum of search volume, um, and Google's just trying to give the best uh, suggestion based upon what you've put in and based upon what they think you're likely to be searching. And of course, if you do this using a browser where you're normally logged in on Google, they're going to use your past search history as well um, as part of this auto suggest algorithm. Now, with the people also ask, it's taking the question you already asked or that you typed in. And then it's saying, here are some other really regularly asked questions relative to the one you already asked. Mm -hmm. And so again, it kind of depends on how popular the first question was, you know, um, and how popular is the topic in general. So really both of them are on a spectrum and which is higher or lower. They're going to have so much overlap that you kind of have to use your judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, If I asked a fairly niche specific question, um, you know, apex query kind of question. The people also ask questions around that are probably going to be similar, um, kind of, you know, similar on in terms of the inverted pyramid, not necessarily search volume. Um, you would you would you would think that they would be as high as search volume, sometimes maybe even higher yeah. as the original query, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it could just be that you asked a question using, um, you know more lay terminology and Google's going to say, well, people also ask this and it gives you the more accurate terminology for the niche or whatever. Um, so on, anyway, both of them are on a spectrum. There's so much overlap that really just kind of use your judgment. Um, I would treat them the same and then compare that to the inverted pyramid and just determine it's in an apex query. Is it a body query? Is it a base query? Yeah. Um, and use that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just very much along the same lines there. I think what you said is, um, I don't exactly remember how you phrase it. I like to phrase it just using your brain. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. not not that's not in a mean or rude way. Uh, it's yeah. really just how I think about it. It's like, okay, 
I have these elements on the SERP. You know, the people the people also ask, the auto suggests these are just elements, they're clues to what can be searched. And I think what you said, Ricky, is is perfect. You know, if I'm searching about a specific size brake rotor for a specific make and model of vehicle, right. And then the people also ask is how do I change the brakes on on a car, you know, like that's right. pretty wide Much open there. Yep. And so it's like, okay, well, would I want to include that in the last paragraph of my article? No, that's like, that would be a whole huge article or video or whatever, you know? So I think it just totally depends. Um, I always just tell myself, use your brain. Yeah. Um, and that's, I, I, that would be the advice that I would give too, is just, you know, use, use your best judgment, find out where it's at kind of on that pyramid and, and go from there. We're blunt with our team here. So when Nathan <laughs> asks a question, I'm just like, dude, just use your brain. Yes. Which <laughs> can be hard. I will share a quick story on that. The other day I walk over to the other side to have some mail and I sometimes mail out paychecks and Ricky goes, uh, I got a couple paychecks back. They didn't have stamps on them. <laughs> Guess whose job it is to put stamps on the paychecks. Hey, yep, we're that's only me. human, right? That's me. Things happen. And you know what? I tried to say that in as nice way as possible. It's like, yeah, no, you were these, very nice. Some of these got it. returned. They you just didn't have nice. stamps on them. Like I used passive voice, yes. not like, hey, very, Nathan, very nice. you didn't put stamps oh, on these letters. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying here is, you know what? Sometimes it is hard to use your brain. Yep. That's why I got to remind myself constantly engage <laughs> or else you might forget something like putting the stamps on the envelope. Was it 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. when well, you were doing that? It's possible. It was pretty It might have been right at the end of the day. It could have been at the end of the day, but um, anyway. Right. You're walking out. You're like, oh, I got to mail these. And you just grab them and put them in the box. Yeah, yeah exactly. Who needs stamps, right? Yeah, I know. Right. All right. Well, cool. So the next question is from... Erwin Meyer, and they say, will it affect my website rankings and overall performance if I restructure the whole website's categories from scratch and interlink everything from scratch? Um, so here's what it will affect. If your category pages are ranking on Google and getting a lot of clicks, and then you change those categories and the, the link to them. So if I change the name of a category or just create a new category and recategorize all those blog posts, and the old category is now empty. Any any clicks that were going to that old category page will, you know, if especially if you delete the category, they'll just get like a 404 error. I don't like a lot of 404 errors. It's not a bad idea to use a plugin to redirect those to like the home page or something. But really, that's not something I care about because I don't really care about my category pages being indexed. And really, they don't get that many clicks. It's just not something people are usually looking for. Um you know, they'll show up in Google Analytics or, and even sometimes in Search Console. They get some visibility, but it's just not what I'm targeting. Yeah. So I don't really care. Um, some people would say, like, from a really technical SEO standpoint, oh, yeah, don't do that without redirecting. Um, but if you just know that your category structure is not what you want it to be, change it to what you want it to be and move on. If you want to create redirects, a lot of SEO plugins like Rank Math, you know, if you create a new category or whatever, or you're going to delete one, um, it'll even sometimes warn you and say, are you sure you don't want to just do a redirect? Um, <laughs> and that's fine. You can do that. I don't really worry about it. As far as interlinking also, like doing your interlinking from scratch, that's not going to really mess with anything um, from an SEO standpoint. It shouldn't hurt, especially if you're going to do a better job of it. Um, it's only going to do better. The The links that you have between articles, that's not really part of the site structure from an SEO standpoint, like the site map doesn't show that. So really it's, it's not going to hurt anything. I'd say if you're, if you're going to do it better now than you had it before, 
make the changes and just move forward with it. Absolutely. Okay. Our last question is from Jordy Buck and he says, what are the qualifications or standards for an authority site? What's the clear difference between an authority site and a regular blog? Clear difference? <laughs> I don't know if I could give necessarily a clear difference, but I, I guess when I think of an authority site, I think of something, first of all, that's probably a large site. Um, and like large, I use that term relatively because depending on the niche of your site, a large site may be 50,000 page views. It could be millions of page views. So something large in the niche, um, so I'd say something relatively well-known also. Um, so not just a big site, but something that's kind of industry standard, probably something where you're going to the Google search results and nearly everything you type in, that site's popping up. Um, probably also something that's less of a commodity. I would imagine something, yeah. when I think of an authority site, I think of more of a brand. It's not just a, a compilation of questions answered anymore. It's more of a brand. It's well put together. It's well monetized. Um, something that people would come to and you know, looking to find the answer and then they know they're going to find it. Um, anyway, I, those are probably a couple yeah. characteristics of an, of an authority site in my mind. Yeah. The, the terminology is a little bit arbitrary. Um, even a few years ago, Jim and I talked about this and for a little while we even stopped saying niche sites or niche sites and we stopped saying authority sites and we just started calling them all income sites <laughs> or blogs. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's because the def the distinctions are a little bit arbitrary. Um, a niche site, the concept is like you pick a really specific niche and you write all your content on that specific niche. But how many people start with a niche site and then over time they just expand and they cover, they broaden and they broaden. And at what point, at what point is it now an authority site? I would say if you're making a concerted effort at EAT, you're turning it into an authority site. And so again, that's why I don't really like using the terminology because to me, it doesn't really mean anything. If you can't clearly define it or, dis or differentiate it from one another, then why are we using different words? Mm -hmm. I don't really, I didn't like love the name income sites either. It, I don't really have a good name for them. Really what we're, what we're doing is we're building websites that use content to get people to them and then we're monetizing them. We're building online businesses mm -hmm. and instead of paying for ads or, you know, um, using social media to drive most of our traffic, we're, we're using content that ranks um, in search. Mm -hmm. That's really what it comes down to. So um, how you monetize, how branded you make it, um, how, how strongly you build the brand, how much EAT you try to build, it's all just kind of on a spectrum. So all of us should be building a little bit of EAT. Mm -hmm. And at what point of EAT? Is it now an authority site? I don't know. It's arbitrary. You decide for yourself. So, um, Jordy, your site's probably working toward being an authority site already. Um, and so I, I just don't worry about it because no. the, the terminology is kind of meaningless. Yeah. And I would say if you, I mean, it's meaningless kind of, but if you start to think that your site is an authority site, it probably is yeah. starting to get that way. And, and you're starting to think it has some eat. Like I would consider cook for folks starting to get that way because yeah. a lot of it, the articles are ranking right. um, for those search terms. And so we at least know that Google's starting to trust us yep. more and more, but yeah. Right. And we're not just focused on like a tiny niche. It's not like we just picked a specific genre of food. Right. And so we're not the biggest name in food, but no. 
we are probably one of the biggest names in food quantity questions. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we're an authority in that, yeah. but we're average when it comes to food and we're not an authority when it comes to recipes because right. that's not the focus. Right. So, I mean, you, you kind of decide for yourself what, what you want your site to be. And then my recommendation is like, just don't, don't worry about trying to rely on kind of uh, external arbitrary definitions to help you drive what your business is going to be. Um, there's going to be some things that are specific to your site and your business that where the model's not going to perfectly match any of the sites we have. And that's totally fine. The way that you mix a YouTube channel and a blog, the way that you monetize it, like in the end, it might be a somewhat unique business and that's totally fine. So uh, I guess just be willing to take the principles that you learn and be willing to experiment a little and figure out what's going to work best for you. Just keep your eye on the prize. Right. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else to add today? No, I don't think so. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining today. And until next time, just have a wonderful day. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because, like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.